Hello and welcome to Real Time Strategy, a podcast all about the gaming industry. I'm your host, Sam Mosier, joined once again by my co-host, Caitlin Redwing. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here. It's a sunny day, and not that that means it's a good day to be podcasting, but I'm just in a good mood. <laughs> it is... I'm enjoying this last kind of gasp of fall before it gets cold. It's, you know, maybe 40s in the morning, 70 in the afternoon. Just great. And it's even greater because today on this week's episode of Real Time Strategy, we're joined by PR Pro and co-founder of Pop Agenda, Nick Verge. Thank you so much for joining us, Nick. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's also very sunny in Montreal today. We're kind of like winter is coming. We know that, but it's like the last summer weekend almost. Like the weather yes. is so nice here. So yeah, we're holding on to that before snow comes. Yeah, it's weird. Like I was doing the mental math and, you know, the U.S. Thanksgiving is less than three weeks away at this point, or I think three weeks exactly to when we're recording this. And like, a bun, you know, one of the biggest games of the fall, God of War Ragnarok, is you know on the cusp. I just feel like the the holiday season is almost here, but I, I don't feel like it yet. Yeah, exactly. And this is why I'm taking three weeks off <laughs> 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 the day after we're recording this. Like I'm just out, and I did look at the calendar for God of War Ragnarok's release date, and I was like, <laughs> yes, I will want to play that when it comes. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. I have like every day and weekend is packed for me this like this next month because i'm moving so like everyone who's here that i know they're like okay we're doing this on this day and i'm like i need to be playing god of war ragnarok what am i this doesn't this isn't fair <laughs> <laughs> i'll get to eventually i just might not be release day yeah i'm i'm the same way especially because i've heard the side content in this game is really rich um mm -hmm. Reviews just, you know, as the time you're listening to this, reviews are out for God of War Ragnarok, and they're unsurprisingly very positive. Uh, and I've heard uh, Gene Park at the Washington Post said it's his, uh, the favorite side quest in a game since The Witcher 3. Um, so I'm sure not only will I be spending 20 hours on the main story, but probably another 20 hours doing all the other great stuff in there. Yeah, exactly. If, if for people who have platinum the first game like me, I'm probably bound to do the same thing here. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, do you have any other fun plans lined up for your three weeks off? Um, uh, biking is kind of the thing. I bought a new bike, uh, uh, like, um, getting your bike stolen in Montreal is a big thing. So I, it's been a while since I didn't own a bike myself, uh, after getting the ones I had stolen before. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like, I asked a friend to like, um, who's really into it to just like, give me a few, uh, places to visit around the island. Mm -hmm. um and now i kind of have a a map that i know uh i can check for destinations as to just like go biking and enjoy the weather again before winter comes and uh yeah I'll be, it's a solo time vacation so i'll be alone most days which is something that never happens for me as a dad of two young kids <laughs> so i'm like i could just go wherever i want and not like worry about anyone else which seems uh, very fun but yeah I'll, I'll, obviously like i'll be spending time playing games and <laughs> doing housework as well uh, that that kind of fun stuff that sounds really nice. And I really hope your bike doesn't get stolen. Yes. I also understand <laughs> how devastating that is. Yes. So 
Nick, when we have people on the show, we always like to ask them some get to know you questions that way the audience can get acquainted with you. And your time off kind of transitions perfectly to our first question. What games are you playing right now? Or maybe the better question is, what games are you hoping to play during your three weeks off? Other yeah. than God of War Ragnarok. Yeah, the the one it won't be part of my vacation, but like the next one after God of War that I'm really looking forward to is um, Midnight Suns. Like I'm a big XCOM fan. Um, I mean the the newer ones that Firaxis made. Um, so like mixing Marvel with that kind of strategy game is just like it's catnip for me. So I absolutely cannot wait for that. Uh, so right now I'm kind of like playing a bunch of stuff. I'm uh, playing through Rabbids, uh, Sparks of Hope, nice. um, which I'm enjoying a lot more than the first one, actually. Uh, I thought like the design decisions they made in that are just brilliant. Uh, it's a lot more open-ended and less like grid-based, so you can have like a lot of fun uh, playing around with that. Uh, like everyone in the games industry for the past two weeks, I've been playing Marvel Snap as well. <laughs> also, like a, as a dad, it's just like a great game to just like pull up for three minutes at a time. Like I played a bunch of Hearthstone and every time I get up to like, you need to build your deck in or open card packs, it gets too much for me. And Marvel Snap is just like so easy to pick up. Uh, it, yeah. Like the decks are small, the cards are really easy to understand. Like you can really see the strategies um, uh, and like uh, how the cards will work, the synergies between the cards. It's really easy to be like, oh, I'll build a deck around ongoing cards or unrevealed cards or cards that move. And it just like it makes sense, and you don't feel like you need like a guide uh, online uh, to to kind of like get a sense of how the game is played at, at a higher level and yeah otherwise i'm just playing a bunch of like uh, stuff on game pass like uh, plague tale requiem is another one i'm playing yes. right now and um the the indie game i wanted to shout out uh, that i just consumed the weekend completely is dome keeper i don't know if you've heard of that one i haven't heard i that haven't one. it's like a um a I don't want to call it a roguelike, but I guess it's kind of like a run-based game. Uh, it's kind of split in two modes where you're mining uh, minerals to kind of upgrade your base at the top, and you're defending against like aliens coming towards you wave by wave. So like once you're done with a wave, you go mining as fast as possible. You bring back the minerals to upgrade your your base, and then to be able to defend like the waves are increasing it, it gets to a level where it's like unmanageable almost um i found it like really addicting and like uh, wanting to see there's a bunch of different like upgrades you can get uh, it, it's everyone is kind of different um it just like again like just consumed an entire weekend i was like completely enraptured by it I, um, it kind of like made me think of like Steam World Dig. Uh, one yeah, I love two, that game. Which are games like you know, it's the same feeling of like just going down, mining for stuff, finding secrets, and then like making your way back up and finding like every time you go down, you're a bit more efficient at that. So like you, yeah, it just feels good. <laughs> Um, I just added it to my cart on Steam. I do this every yeah. time people talk about games because I just <laughs> have no instinct control. Yeah, I, I believe they're also planning to add a bunch of stuff to the game. So th there will be more of that game to be played in the future. Nice. Yeah, it's got a really pretty like pixel art style yeah. as well. Yeah, it's really That I really like. Kind of reminds me a little bit of like Celeste in a way. The backgrounds, like the artwork behind the 
like the scene that you're playing it's stunning yeah, yeah they do a lot with n not so much uh, resources basically it just yeah it looks great well i'm gonna get it and i'm gonna try it out because this does look like something i would really like and it's 17.99 on steam for anyone who's interested is that uh is it is that the platform you're playing on nick are you playing on pc yes yes uh i played it on my laptop i guess uh i'm still like pushing back the moment i will uh, purchase a steam deck uh, for that <laughs> yeah. game i uh, relate to that so i relate like, to that so much yeah, i i told myself a laptop with a controller plugged in it's kind of a steam deck uh, <laughs> yeah. you can play that on the couch don't be to buy another thing <laughs> i will on. say i ha i just got the steam deck last month and i love it and that's why I've been buying so many more games on Steam because I'm like, oh, I can sit this and play this at my desk. And I will probably also play it tonight when I'm like winding down and I like sit in bed yeah. or I'm like on the couch and I play Steam Deck. It's just. Uh, yeah, one of the real appeals for me was, uh, I guess I'm saying that having not bought it, but the idea that I could play games that are unreleased, games I'm working on, I could mm -hmm. play that not at my desk, but at night in bed or outside of my desk which really feels like work i could be playing like unreleased builds like steam builds because as like with devs we often get like keys yeah. like steam keys to access like in development builds the idea that i could play that on the steam deck was like appealing but again i didn't have have not pressed the, the button yet oh that's such an interesting use case that i did not think of at all but that makes sense mm. Well, this is a very productive conversation. Nick sold Caitlin on Dome Keeper, and, and Caitlin hopefully sold Nick on maybe getting the yes. Steam Deck. <laughs> One is a bit more expensive than the other. But Just yes. a little. <laughs> well, Nick, our other get to know you question, I've seen on your Twitter that you are watching a show that I'm also greatly enjoying. So I want to kind of broaden it out to what shows or movies are you enjoying right now? Yeah, I'm just completely enraptured by Andor right yes. now. I'm a big Star Wars fan. It's kind of like I, I'm a late Star Wars fan, I guess. I I liked them as a kid, but it's more recently just getting into like um, Clone Wars and like mm -hmm. stuff I missed before and Rebels. Like now, I'm just like reading everything. Like I've started reading books this year, so I'm like on my twentieth book just this year like just trying to get an encyclopedic knowledge of the star wars universe for some reason it just makes me happy they're not the best books in the world i i know i'm not becoming like a lot smarter by reading them but like <laughs> it just after a long day it they, it just makes me happy star wars makes me happy right now and like watching Endor, like the best show uh, Star Wars has ever produced and best Star Wars since I mean I'm a big Last Jedi fan it's like my yes. favorite Star Wars you're in movie, safe company but, yep, yep you are <laughs> but um you, you never know when you mention Last right? Jedi so it's good to know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, it, it's just like I, I can't even believe we're being like we're experiencing that series right now it's mm -hmm. just like it feels so much better than it has any rights to be and then i'm watching i'm also listening to a bunch of podcasts like at the same time talking about Andor. so and again just shouting out like a more civilized age um which like uh, you might know austin walker and rob zachney from waypoint um and so i'm just like 
every it's every time an episode comes out it's not just the episode it comes with like five hours of other podcasts that i'm also listening to because i'm just like in that zone right now uh, and i cannot wait for the finale like uh, I, I guess next episode like it, it, they they run in like three arc like three episode arcs right now so you always <laughs> you're so excited to watch the third episode of an arc because you know mm-hmm. everything is gonna blow up basically <laughs> i love the arc like writing style they did that a lot in the clone wars too because a lot of times when people are like oh like what episode should i watch and i'm like oh you could just like go watch this specific arc like you could watch like yes. the mandalorian or the order 66 the siege of mandalore mm. which is like the last four episodes of the clone wars i'm like you don't even have to have seen the show and that's not really the same for andor but i just really like how it's like succinct storytelling but it at least gives it like a few episodes to breathe with each story instead of like yeah. trying to push it all into one and doing like a different story for each episode. And it and it feels like it lets them not have ev- every episode like every episode needs to have an action scene, a love scene, a like sad scene. Like yeah. it can just like this episode is just build up. It's just like scene setting, we're in this new planet learning like to meeting new people getting a sense of what the the situation is so they can build up slowly over time and deliver like episode six and episode three for example were just like such great payoffs for the previous two episodes of those arcs so i'm just so excited and again like i'll be on vacation during like i I think the last episode is like uh, right before thanksgiving i just hope people give it a chance that's my big thing is like for non-star wars people like this is hbo level like drama action series that i'm like i just hope people watch it when it's done um and yeah the other tv show that i guess i want to shout out and i've heard you guys talk talk about it in a previous episode was the bear and it just like yeah i it just on my ass when the episode last episode ended i was like just crying and not because like something sad happens at the end it was just like great hopeful moment by the end and i guess i realized like i realized like how great of a show it was and like how much i cared for these characters how yeah they just like nailed it from beginning to end as someone who likes cooking someone who thought about going into like (laughs) restaurant uh the restaurant life at some point in my life it was just like i'm fascinated by that that kind of life it was just like every all of that was put on screen and it was just like so so well done so great yeah i could not second those recommendations any harder star wars and or i'm loving week to week and the bear just one of my favorite shows i've seen this year um yeah i guess i the the good thing about uh, uh, being a parent and having no time to watch stuff is just you watch just the good stuff so <laughs> <laughs> i get to really pick and choose so like watching better call saul for example it's just like i i I can't i have no time for okay stuff so uh, i guess i watch all the marvel stuff all the star wars stuff because i'm really into those universes but like i the only three movies i've seen this year outside of marvel was like dune nope and prey all three i watched on the plane to (laughs) uh, uh, like a work trip (laughs) 
So, the three movies I'd be like, absolutely do not watch these on a plane. Watch yes, on the biggest know, screen possible. It is the only time, like trying to find three hours to watch Dune at home, a movie for which my wife does not care about one bit. <laughs> I, it's just like, oh I don't God. have three hours alone ever uh, to watch TV. So yeah, it, you have to make compromises, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned that we had talked about it on a previous episode and you totally reminded me that I probably was like, I'm going to watch it right away. And I haven't watched the bear. And I also haven't watched the Andor. I'm been the absolute worst when it comes to TV this year. Like I've been the opposite. I've been watching a ton of movies and my TV game has just like fallen off. And that's also due to the fact that I've just been Rewatching Law and Order, like it just <laughs> it's like need to shut my brain off. It's the most the most random thing. I just yeah, the bear is I'm great just... because like again for my schedule now, um, it's just like it's eight episodes of thirty minutes. It's so it, it goes by so quick, and that's kind of the experiences I'm looking for nowadays. Like in terms of TV, every time there's a show, like I'm trying to watch Lord of the Rings show, like as I'm working out because like that's another place I can watch things by myself. Episodes being like uh, an hour fifteen, for example, it's just like I don't, I cannot. <laughs> it's impossible to to have that time right now for myself. So yeah, that's fair. Well. Not only did we want to have Nick on the show to talk about Pop Agenda, but this is also personally a secret ploy to get more people to tell Caitlin to watch Andor and the Bear. Exactly. I know, I know. <laughs> well, with that, we've gotten our Andor and the Bear recommendations over to Caitlin. It's now time to talk about Pop Agenda. Uh, Nick, I'll throw it over to you here. For the listeners out there, what is Pop Agenda? Yeah, we're <laughs> it's a weird beast. It took like five <laughs> years to get a sense of what we are. Um, but yeah, the, the way we kind of define it would be to say we're a publishing team for hire. Um, so we offer all kinds of services from marketing strategy to business development, release management, PR, uh, some social media help, uh, and recently trader editing. Um, so basically the idea was to offer all of that in a bundle to clients. Um, mostly to people who self-publish uh, is kind of how we see it. We work with, um, I mean, we still work with a, a couple publishers who don't have the staff right now to kind of like offer all these services to the games they've signed. But mostly we work with devs who self-publish and we, can, we came in at like a, um, a, a fun moment where there was a lot of funding for indie devs coming through so it was kind of like the beginning of like apple arcade i remember so uh, uh, yeah, people were getting their games funded through apple arcade through um, the epic game store uh, first parties are always like funding exclusives and, and that kind of stuff so um uh, often that that funding doesn't come with a publisher uh, so the teams are like they don't have the resources for everything I mentioned for, in terms of marketing, like building a marketing campaign and stuff like that. So we kind of come in and can fill that role. Uh, really depends on like uh, a team's needs. And then once the once the game's done and they don't need us anymore, we kind of exit the scene and we come back whenever they need us. Um, some clients have kept us around a little bit for like. Uh, updates or stuff that come like merch or like other kinds of things um but yeah it can it came like at a weird point in the industry it feels like where like not everyone needed a 
maybe the publisher to kind of like put out a game on the market. So yeah. So what did those conversations look like with the Pop Agenda team when founding the company? Was that a need that you all identified and saw like this is something we can fill, or was it a little more messy than that? Yeah. Uh, obviously, like <laughs> as a good entrepreneur, you kind of like have to get a sense of like what the market is like, what the needs are with the with the potential clients of yours. So you you kind of have to do that. Honestly, it was really organic. Like we <laughs> we didn't like uh, produce any huge documents. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the idea was like mostly in Montreal where we were. Um, I mean, when we started, Jen was already had already moved to San Francisco, but the two of us, two out of three of us were still in Montreal. And there was an ecosystem where the Canada Media Fund a couple years, I mean, 10 years back almost at this point, uh, basically changed the game. So there was a public funding, I mean, to give you an idea of like what what that CMF is, is basically the Canadian government would offer grants up to a million dollars for video game companies to uh, kickstart projects, basically. Uh, there was a need for, and basically there were criterias of like innovation and stuff like that. But basically a lot of companies were get, getting kickstarted through that uh, public fund. Um, but those teams, again, did not have marketing people working for them at the studio. Um, so we felt like, there was clearly an opportunity there to be like a bunch of project, like smaller indies are getting funded. There's no marketing help. They're all shipping their games once every, I was going to say to be generous every two years, but realistically two to five years Mm -hmm. and more. So we were like, what if we just like did this agency style where we came in for like the announcement, like the big reveal, like the big beats, right? We're there for the, the reveal up until launch. And then the teams can kind of like deal with their portfolio and that kind of stuff. And again, they didn't need a publisher because everything was funded through the public, uh, the the government grant. So that that's kind of how it started, but it shifted like, Again, that's what we thought would happen. And then when we started, we realized like uh, that, I mean, didn't realize, we just get people reached out to us pretty quickly. Like the, we hadn't identified the need from a bunch of studios and we just went from one client to the next. People talked to each other in Montreal, but in Toronto as well. Like we all had uh, contacts from the industry as well. So like, we knew people who ran studios, so it came together pretty quick. Where we like amassed like a bunch of uh, indie dev studios, and then they all. T- the thing is, like all this indie co-found like uh, founders, they all talk to each other, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're pleased by the service you're giving, they will send you more business uh, from friends for, uh, or people from the industry. So that's kind of what ended up happening. So again, as I mentioned. We nowadays we have a couple games maybe f- that are uh, funded through the the government program I mentioned. Most of them are like first party funding. They got funding through Kowloon, for example. A lot of like first party devs, like uh, like a lot of PlayStation or like Game Pass uh, uh, deals that that got signed. So it really depends. But that's kind of like how uh, what the thinking was at the time. Okay, so I'm kind of widening the lens here because a lot of our Mm -hmm. listeners 
are people who maybe don't work in the games industry and we they're looking to get into it from like a very high level stance can you explain like what does it mean when you say like a publisher finances and like publishes a game um a lot of the i want to say jargon sometimes is familiar to pr like how is it different from the pr marketing side like what more does the publishing aspect entail yeah, the publishing is, it's a lot of money stuff, I guess. It's a lot of like business stuff. Like where are we, um, like what consoles will the game be available on? Like it's very high level stuff um, in that sense. And like what what even up to like the brand identity of the project, like what kind of game are we making? Who are we selling it to? Um yeah, it's. I feel like that's kind of more what publishing means. Uh, and then every publisher kind of like offers different things. Uh, so it, sometimes it's it is a hard word to use. Sometimes it's sometimes we feel like we're publishing titles, but we're not publishers. So we're we're kind of helping the publishing aspect of the game, which basically means like taking a game in development and bringing it to Steam or PlayStation or Xbox and making the right decisions along the way about like where to spend your money. Um, yeah, again, the bigger picture. I don't know if it answers your question, Jason. Yeah, it did. It just was like what you said about, it's like you might feel like you're a publishing company, but maybe not publishers. Was like there's, it's just that word that sometimes can trip people up. Yes. And they're like, well, what does yes. that actually mean? Yeah, in our in whenever we get credited in games, we ask for the label like um, publishing and marketing support. So we use the word support since we're not like, again, publishing, we're helping people self-publish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That actually touches on one of the things that flagged a couple months ago at this point, me wanting to have you and, and you know, pop agenda representation on the show was a entry in Simon Carlos's Game Discover Company newsletter earlier this summer. Uh, which was about kind of the, this larger phenomenon, which he you know referred to as publisher as a service. And he looked at Papa Jen and spoke with you and Jen as a case study uh, about exactly that thing. In your, in your words, what separates, like you said, that idea of publishing support or publishing services uh, versus just being a publisher? Yeah, I think for us, it's the funding part that really sets it apart. I think if we were to fund entire budgets of games we would probably call ourselves publishers and that 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 would be the thing that that changes but yeah we don't have ownership over projects we don't um yeah sometimes we're like we're not making the decision every decision because it's not our it's not ours right we have not invested into it and that yeah that's kind of why we went in in that direction but then i guess the landscape in in 2022 is is pretty muddled as to what publishing means and uh, again like different publishers do very different things have div- very different teams and offer different kinds of services to the games they publish we're seeing teams like um uh, future friends pr for example they started co-publishing games with with uh, some folks uh which like is, is something we we haven't seen before i guess um or is not super common so like yeah i guess we're and things could change on our end in the future as we grow and as we change um i guess the the thing for us was really 
uh, I, I guess no shade to to PR agencies, but the idea for us was that we don't want to be a, just a PR agency, right? We wanted to be there for the 360 of it. Like we wanted to be part of everything, have our hands in everything, have ownership on the projects as much as possible with the, the teams who would let us. Um, because yeah, we didn't want to be like executors. We didn't want to, to be told like, do this, do that okay we wanted to yeah again like and that's the best part of our job is when we see our teams succeed and feel like we've had like a deep impact like from the beginning sometimes yeah and and yeah just seeing those teams like flourish is like yeah probably the the most fulfilling part of our jobs um yeah Yeah, i it definitely not to give shade to some clients but i was like it as as a pr agency different clients have different needs and there are some clients that we are brought on really early and kind of touch all of those aspects and are way more involved in the process of like publishing a game and then yeah sometimes you have clients where it's like uh it's a a smaller like retainer because they only need a little bit of pr help and so then like we're there to support that we're not big picture like publishing aspects so it's for our agency, it's just, it really depends on the client and what their needs are. Um, yeah. For some of our clients, some some people reach out to, it's, it's funny you mentioned that, Caitlin, because like sometimes a client will reach out to us and be like, hey, I have this budget for a PR beat. And we look at that and we're like, what if we invested that into something else? Like, what if you took that budget that you wanted to spend in PR? Like, we don't think we're, you're going to get much out of it like sometimes we're very blunt with with the potential clients where we're like uh, i mean you 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 probably have seen those, those those kinds of pitches like games that never took off or like they're coming to a fifth platform or like uh, yeah. yeah again like small updates like um yeah so sometimes we're like oh, what if we took that five thousand dollars of yours and just like uh, gave you uh, help in biz dev like what if with that five thousand dollars we went and got you a deal f- like i'm I, it's a big uh, i'm making stuff up but like what if we got you a game pass deal for for that consultancy money basically instead of just like just doing pr so we're often we're trying to see the 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 problem in quotes uh, globally like uh, trying to see like uh, and yeah trying to help because again like for us it we're we're a small team and we don't some, often we don't need the business because uh, we're we're always pretty much booked so it's really about like we want the clients to to feel satisfied with the way they spend their money so if we feel like they're about to spend it on something that will just like get bad results and be disappointing for everyone and and that's i'm sure something you you can relate it's just like sometimes a client wants something and you're like it's not a good idea and then there's and they want they push through and then we're disappointed by the results the because we're not getting coverage for example on a certain news story and then they're disappointed of not getting good story uh, good coverage on that story so at, at the end of the day everyone's disappointed and that's just a situation where we don't want anyone to be in so we often set expectations like really clearly of like Mm -hmm. hey we don't think this is worthwhile and if it means they go to somewhere else that tells them it's a great idea well that's totally fine for us right pop agenda 
Nick, would you correct me if I'm wrong? I feel like your bread and butter is is working with like indies, like a, a boutique studio for helping with you know publishing services for indie studios. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, even uh, we could have an entire uh, podcast discussion about what the word indie means nowadays. Also but true. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's uh, we don't work with. Uh, I mean, we've done s smaller contracts that I can talk about for like bigger teams, like bigger publishers, but it's mostly yes, in the in the level stuff. So then what you talked about that idea of expectation setting with your clients, I mean, with frankly, any game nowadays, it's a struggle to get attention, but the indie landscape is so huge and to a degree, like always unknowing to a bit. There's always a game that comes out every week, I'm sure deserving of attention, but doesn't get it. How do you go about setting those expectations with your clients in terms of what's feasible and what's you know smart to set objective wise? Wow, it's a really good question. <laughs> and I guess the answer I could say is like, we've had numbers now for five years of just working on many titles and getting a sense like every time, I, like on Twitter, every time like Steam Next Fest comes up, like people are like, how many wish lists should I be getting from this? Like the, the kind of info that people are sharing. Mm -hmm. And that's also something like we know now, like we get, we have a good sense of like, uh, yeah, what a, a, a demo in, in that kind of event will do, uh, uh, how many wish lists you'll get from appearing on the game awards or like uh, summer games fest versus wholesome games versus uh pc gaming show so we're, we're yeah whenever we present stuff to clients we're kind of like able to kind of like put some numbers around it and get and, and get a sense and often it's mostly like again like since we're like in the publishing realm in quotes like we kind of know often the but the total budgets of the games uh genevieve on my team like was a brand manager and worked with like game dev budgets all the time and so we kind of know how much to spend per game because the idea is never to like for we've worked on games that have like two hundred thousand uh of funding and we work with like multi-million dollar projects so again sometimes it's about like yeah putting the 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 time and effort where it needs to be and if yeah if a project just doesn't have budget we're just gonna be like really smart about like the the things we pursue and the things we do mm -hmm. um to try and get them the best results uh for for their money basically i don't know if that answers the question so much but uh yeah no that definitely does and i feel before we get any deeper into the conversation i'd be remiss not to ask you've mentioned jen uh who is the pop agenda team uh you mentioned you're small like how do you divide responsibilities across the few of you yeah, um, so there was three co-founders at first. So Jen and I used to work at Square Enix Montreal, um, who basically shut down this week, yeah. which was very yeah. unfortunate. Um, a bunch of friends <laughs> lost their jobs back there, which uh, yeah is a real bummer. But yeah, so basically uh, Jen and I met at Square. We worked together for two years. I basically learned a lot of like my PR stuff back there because we were two people at that studio. It was basically a 35 people studio and there was always like two, three games being made at the same time. So we had our hands in a lot of pots. So we could like, we did a lot of stuff. And what was fun with uh, working at Square Enix is that we just had the big 
Square Enix machine at our fingertips. And we obviously we had to negotiate for every resource we would take out of that machine. But it meant that we worked with like different territories. So we had a team in Germany. We had a team in France that we could reach out to. The big team for us was in LA since we work in, in America. But um, it meant like we, again, we, we had access to all these resources. We met, we worked with a bunch of different PR agencies. Uh, so we worked with Dead Good Media internally uh, in Montreal. And then I worked with Tara Bruno PR when we did events and stuff like that and got to travel. So I basically learned all it all of my like real like triple a experience pr right there and it was like really intense again because we just like we were doing everything uh, jen and i uh, mostly um until she left and then uh, basically we and now i'm just telling you the whole story of Puppet agenda but it gives you a sense of like where each of us are coming from so jen was my boss there a, a brand manager and i came in as a community manager changed my title at some point for like marketing producer something coordinator um and then uh yeah i uh, there, this uh the other co-founder is mc and mc basically was a producer on fez and rogue legacy uh, uh back in the days like 10 10 years ago uh, fez came out but uh basically she was in the montreal scene and i was really curious about her job. It's basically, she was doing the job I wanted to do 10 years ago. So we, I had reached out to her and it was also in the middle of like indie game, the movie coming out and Fez was part of that. So her husband Renault was also part of that. And so I kept in touch. I was like a student at the time and I just like, I wanted to get in the games industry so bad. And MC had more experience than me at the time. And like, uh, she basically threw out those uh five six years of me trying to get in the games industry she kind of like she was the person i would call for tips and like i got a job offer at this place should i take it like what mm -hmm. should i basically again like wanted to do her job wanted to know how to do her job um so basically yeah when uh square Enix montreal kind of came at a crossroad where teddy deef's uh, project was canceled basically teddy uh, was a creative uh, director at Square Enix Montreal, and they had worked previously on uh, Hyperlight Drifter. They had been brought in to kind of spearhead this big new cool project that I can't talk about. And once it got canceled and the studio kind of shifted into free to play, we kind of I was like, this is not what I signed up for before. Like we were making like premium, like really cool puzzle games. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so I reached out to MC at that time. I, I reached out to Jem first, because we really, obviously we really like working together. We were kind of just a pair. We would go everywhere together. So I reached out and, and was like, would you freelance? Like, do you think we could do this freelance? And she was like, yeah, yeah, we could probably do this. And But then I started thinking of like, what if we had a producer on board? What if we could offer like the 360 approach that I talked about before, mm -hmm. but we needed an MC for that. Uh, and see that came in with like a production and release management background, someone who knows like console portals really well, could like really give us like this other thing that Jen and I didn't have as people who like did marketing and worked in mobile. And MC was just like delighted that we had <laughs> reached out at that moment. So we kind of let, yeah, I had a, basically the full story is I had a kid and 
I got I took my five weeks of paternity, and then during those five weeks, we kind of like figured it out. We were like, are we doing this? Would it work? What kind of clients? We started signing a few contracts during those five weeks. And then I came back to work. I was like, I'm out. And <laughs> I noticed and never came back, basically. And then, yeah. So all of that to say is like, okay, Jen is basically our brand manager, biz dev person, does a lot of like marketing strategy, pitch decks, uh, secures a lot of money for our clients, basically. MC is our producer and release manager, as I mentioned. I do a lot of PR, like I had the PR effort. I also come from a editorial, I, no, I do editorial, but I come from like a game design background. I studied game design in school. It's kind of what I wanted to do at first, but I had a communication like background as well. So I was like, why, why not merge the two? And I'm doing trailers now. And since I was a community manager before, I also do social media stuff sometimes. Um, and basically now we have a, a, a employee, just one, George, uh, who's great. And basically he uh, comes, he has like kind of the same background as me where he was like into press before um, and does some video editing as well. So we basically work together on basically everything. He's kind of half my brain for most things. <laughs> Uh, he knows like the PR game really well uh, as well, and like yeah, I don't know what I did before uh, he was on, brought on board, honestly. <laughs> so yeah, basically we all have kind of like the things we are better at, and then mm -hmm. we kind of like split up work depending on like what the client needs or like uh, what needs to be done on a certain day. Before we lose the thread of talking about the origins of Pop Agenda, real quick question: What's the story behind the name? There's no real story, unfortunately. <laughs> it was just like a really hard and painful brainstorm during those five weeks, as I mentioned, and just like threw a bunch of stuff at a Google Doc. And then we're like, we're going to organize your, your game, so you need an agenda. And... <laughs> We kind of like we like the idea of like gaming, but I guess we wanted to be a bit broader as like pop culture and like mm -hmm. so we wanted to keep it broad. So it came together, and it's also a play on words of like prop a propaganda. Um, so yeah, we were. It's it's never ask someone how they came up with the names, but I really uh, just thought I was like it just pops, and I was <laughs> like the and the brand does pop like I don't, the colors you choose the games you guys publish yeah. everything is just kind of it's the, the real yeah it, it, caitlin you're right it sounded good at some point we're just like there was a bunch of words uh, on a spreadsheet and it was just like it's it was a one that sounded good when we 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 chose it even though like people mispronounce it or and write it in a bunch of different ways uh we're kind of fine with it at this point I mean, naming is hard. We did the same thing for our podcast where we just literally dumped things in in a Google Doc. And surprisingly, like all our favorites were already names of podcasts. And we're like, oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> eventually, we just had to find one where we liked and wasn't already taken. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, go on, Caitlin. I was just going to say, so you're talking about roles and I mean, it, how it's, it's a small team, but... Um, Recently, you guys put out job um, postings that Top yes. Agenda is hiring a release management coordinator and a PR marketing coordinator. Um, are those still 
are you still looking for those roles? Yes. And if so, how are those roles going to help your team? And what are you looking for? Tremendously. <laughs> um, so basically, uh, we really liked um, our experience with George, uh, uh, where we were looking at hiring someone juniors, like someone who did not have experience in uh, the, I guess, the PR side of the industry, uh, someone who was press and, um, yeah, I get uh, pretty fresh to it. Um, and this idea of like bringing new people in the industry and like uh, lifting them up a little bit was really, really appealing for us. So we're kind of trying the same thing this time around where the two roles are kind of like pretty uh, junior level uh, roles. Uh, one is more like marketing. It's again, it's that that first role, the, the the PR marketing coordinator role, is really open because we do so much like s s such different things at Pop Agenda every day. We're kind of open to get like uh, different applications with people from different backgrounds. So we're mm -hmm. like, we're trying to cover stuff that we're not great at the moment or we don't like doing especially someone who do who will like doing those things because they have experience so for example like i think social media is just like evolving so rapidly all the time TikTok, for example is like the big thing everyone's chasing it's mm -hmm. extremely time consuming and you need a special vibe and energy to produce content on that platform so for example if someone has that experience or like that energy that I talked about, like we'll be super interested. Mm -hmm. uh, that role is also like focused on content creators and streamers. Um, also because there's that kind of same kind of energy um, <laughs> tied to those two realms. Um, but again, like we're kind of open to uh, what people bring to it. It's kind of the thing we kind of want to be surprised at by what people bring yeah. to the role we're kind of open to it and then the release manager uh, uh posting right now is really that mc needs a friend deeply uh, <laughs> she needs someone uh, by her side someone she can like again like this is a this is really nitty-gritty like like video game industry stuff but like the release manager role is not something people know a lot about basically the idea is that console portals, like if you're publishing on PlayStation, Xbox, or Switch, those portals are a nightmare. And going through the process of like porting your game and then publishing on those platforms, it is extremely difficult for people who have not done it before. And again, the idea uh, is that we're shipping like 20, 25 SKUs every year. We know those portals ins and outs. We know what to prepare for. And so MC is extremely in demand right now. I can tell you, we have to turn away people. Uh, so MC is just looking to basically uh, pass on some knowledge to whoever would join that role and kind of, yeah, get a buddy on board so that like we can uh offer a, a bit more of our time or uh, to 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 clients who need it because yeah um it's a it's a really hard job <laughs> and if people listening we do have prospective pr people pr students listening where can they go to apply yeah i guess the those are jobs um 
uh, button at the bottom of our website, popagenda.co. Uh, but the two roles are mainly on Twitter and I guess every of our social media, if you go on LinkedIn, like we've pinned the, the two roles there. Um, uh, it, they're both open, like applications are open for, uh, until like November 21st, I believe. So people can still apply, but yeah, it's a lot of a, it's, it's going to be rough. It's going to be difficult to choose one person. That's always the, it's always the case. Right. And yeah, we, the thing for us is that yeah, a lot of people like look at us as a company they'd like to work with and stuff, but we're not looking to grow that much. So like even like two openings for us is just like nerve wracking. It's like, <laughs> it feels like we're doubling the team almost. And it's a lot of like, uh, yeah, it's a lot to go through. Um, and yeah, we don't, like our big challenge for us is that we don't, the three co-founders, we don't want to become managers that much. That's the big thing we're trying to, we're looking at other PR agencies or agencies in general, growing, growing, growing. Mm -hmm. And basically the founders are just managers or like business owners at that point. And we're like, that's not exactly what we want to do. Like we like working with developers. And so the moment that it like our business makes it so that we cannot do that anymore because we're managing people who are working with devs, it's going to be a uh, pretty sad. So we're trying to go really small and stay like human scale uh, mostly. I like that. Also, not everybody wants to be a manager, not even just like, because it takes away the work that you love. Yeah. But managing people is just, that's also a lot of work and an entirely different yes. like field and skill set. And yeah. I totally am with you. Like, yeah, if you're loving what you're doing. Just... And the idea of like managing a team, like right now we're managing George, but like, <laughs> <laughs> the idea of man like managing 10 people, like a team of people, and it seems wild to me. And I'm not like, I'm way too anxious uh, to think about those kinds of things. <laughs> Managing George, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't, uh, honestly, like, uh, he doesn't need a lot of management. He is great. Um, that's kind of also, like, the things we're looking for. It's just, like, someone autonomous, someone who just, like, mm -hmm. doesn't need to be managed much. Like, someone who, does like, doesn't need, like, to be told what to do all the time. Someone who can f kind of understand the business, understand where they're useful, just get, stuff done mm -hmm. because that saves us so much time and that's kind of like w why it's been so great to be just three co-founders for a while it's just like jen and i for example like we don't have to speak much to each other to understand what each of us needs to do or like yeah we don't have to explicitly say you do this and i do that we're just like it just flows and you're the we well-oiled machine exactly yes. yeah I'm curious. One thing I wanted to touch on, you both kind of referenced in passing. Nick, you mentioned that, you know, there are a lot of people that are interested or excited about working with Pop Agenda. And when we were talking about the name, Caitlin mentioned kind of the Pop Agenda brand carries its own kind of identity. Yeah. Is that something conscious within Pop Agenda in terms of the games they work with? Because to be honest, from an outsider's perspective, when I find out like an indie game is being represented by Pop Agenda. There's a little part of me that's like, ooh, like that's one to keep my eye on. Uh, <laughs> like, is that a conscious thing you're aware of? Well, thank you, first of all. Uh, yeah, of but yeah, it kind of like came uh, with the limited bandwidth, uh, honestly. It's just like, we have to make choices all the time about which projects we take on. It's kind of like, uh, so I, I, it's really hard to take 
the compliments for that kind of stuff because basically <laughs> we're we were three people let's say we're four people now we get so many requests like there's so many games coming out all the time everyone's looking for marketing help like pr and pr agencies and that kind of stuff again we're four people so we have to make choices so obviously the choices we make is just like we pick what the games that look best and that we're most interested in working on uh, at the time so that that kind of brand you mentioned it kind of like developed by itself where we were kind of like able to choose the games that we thought had potential the games that just look great the teams that are just fun to work with mm -hmm. so it kind of came together it's never like conscious and, and that's something uh, we we see publishers like like publishers have more of that uh, problem or challenge where they have to like you see devolver as the gritty sarcastic bloody kind of publisher right. and Annapurna needs to be artistic uh, forward thinking uh, so we we just don't have that uh, where <laughs> we just like we we pick the the stuff we're interested in but and not but because you do that, because yes. it's you're a small team and you guys are all choosing that, your brand is basically just like a meld of a small team's like personal preferences. And so that showcases itself as like, it appears like that is the Pop Agenda brand, even if it's just like, oh, this is just what you like. Exactly. You don't have like 100 people, 500 people at a company all weighing in on like, like you said, like developer and Annapurna, and like they are a little bit more strategic and the games they choose because they are fitting a brand identity exactly that's that's kind of like where the boutique comes from it's just like we are picking we have to pick specific things that we're interested in and mm -hmm. it kind of like again like it's just like whenever we get pitches i play i'm, I'm the one that reads through pitches plays builds and then i bring those to the team and then often it's pretty clear like like whenever we've worked on stuff that we weren't sure of, like uh, we ended up regretting it. So nowadays it's like, if we have a doubt, we just let it go. And like, I always recommend a bunch of other teams that they could ask, they could go uh, with. So yeah, it just, yeah, it, it ended up happening this way basically. Um, but yeah, the, the original branding was like, we contacted our friend, uh, Sam Boucher, who's an artist at Co-op Mode, uh, was a friend of ours, and just like, yeah, went with the. He did our logo five years ago. We loved it so much, and we're still happy with that today. <laughs> so, having discussed, you know, kind of the mentality or uh, behind what games Pop Agenda works with, looking back at the games you have worked with since 2018, right, is when Pop yeah, Agenda was founded. Exactly. Uh, what are some of your favorite examples of your work? I mean, again, as a fan, I will shout out Bug Snacks. That yes. kind of launch campaign is, I to a degree, like I I associate hand in hand with the launch of the PS5. Like it was very delightful from start to finish. So want to throw that one out there. Yes, and I, since you mentioned it, I will throw credit at PlayStation and at Young Horses. Like the creative, like the creatives behind that campaign was all the Young Horses. Uh, they were just like so 
they're just so talented and like they can't even take credit for the kkb song for example that stuff <laughs> they came up with obviously like we helped like wrangle stuff and organize a bunch of things but yeah they're just so fun to work with it was a delight and uh, the, the stuff i point to and it's mainly like uh when we did the publishing work and <laughs> coming back to like the word publishing but there there's some games uh smaller games mostly uh, so I'll mention three. So Creature in the Well, Blood Roots, uh, both of those were like the first year that we started the company. And then Toem is a bit more recent, like uh, last year. So for those three games, like we basically did everything. Uh, we secured deals with first parties. We found their porting partners. We we did the social media we, like, events. Like we, we ran the ship for everything basically for toem even like we were i was doing trailers for toem i did all four trailers uh, for toem like we were knee deep in that project and uh, again like they had a really small budget but we just like made every action count and i'm so proud of it like even though like it's not the biggest success in the world it, like it sold fine the team like again at a small budget so like they're okay with the sales they get but like seeing them for example like win a bafta last year for like best debut game just i cried when i saw that i was just like obviously like i didn't make the game that the trophy is for the people who made it but just seeing that team on that stage getting recognized for that is just like that's that's what my salary is worth basically and then the other I'd mentioned, and it's more recent, was working on like the Cuphead DLC recently. And obviously, like I'm really <laughs> I'm trying to be really, really humble because again, like those teams are just so talented. And like, obviously, like it's easy to get pick up as a PR person for the Cuphead DLC. It's obviously a lot more easier than for an, a smaller indie game. But they still came in with us uh, when we started talking they didn't they weren't planning to do a ton of marketing and like pr beats uh, at first and then we were like oh no no you have to do stuff and then we, so we pitched a bunch of stuff to them uh, which ended up happening um uh, and the stuff i'm most proud of because like that's kind of like my bread and butter um basically eli their producer was like uh, there's so much behind the scenes content that we have that we could just put out there. And that was my task basically of like, I need to find outlets that will cover behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And I don't know for you guys, it's really, it's hard. It's hard to find outlets that go that deep, especially post-release uh, because like, uh, yeah, people are more, they want to preview games. They want to play the video game. Not so much interested about how it was created. But I got uh, I, I got the discussions through for an edge cover, which is like the thing I'm most proud of this year. If you haven't seen it, please Google it. It's like a, a three-fold uh, cover. It looks amazing. The edge team allowed us to play with their logo and branding. It was amazing. Uh -huh. Um, and then I was able to secure a, a, a video feature at IGN called Art of the Level. I was um, just thinking about that. I was, I think I saw that video. Yes. And it's great because there's a level in the game that was entirely made. Uh, it's a maquette basically, and the animation was made in stop motion. So basically IGN was able to go to LA to that 
th those service providers who did the stop motion animation called Tree Novelty. So we got that in that that piece. It's a it's just a great video, and also we had like a a a really good uh, piece in Game Informer about the making of a specific boss in the DLC. Uh, with a freelancer there, so like those kinds of things are just like stuff that I'm just like it's the stuff I'm happy like, I like reading. So whenever I'm able to make that kind of content happen, it's just delightful. It, it makes me extremely happy. I would uh, I loved Delicious Less Course, and I'm fascinated by the making of those games. So yeah, I would highly recommend go checking out the Game Informer PC Agent Behind the Level, and I'm just now seeing the Edge cover for the first time. Gorgeous! I, oh yeah, yeah it looks it's so a good. collector's piece. Yeah, yes. I, I, I should have framed it on my wall, and then I, <laughs> I, I haven't yet. And I guess the, the last thing I guess I'll mention, which is which is a really big project, and I'll credit George for most of it. But uh, uh, launching the play date uh, this year mm. was like a big like <laughs> we had been working on it for like a good year and a half, two years before that launch, and just like launching hardware that was a first for us, and comes with a bunch of like challenges that you don't necessarily think about when it's just about sending a code via an email now it came with like all right we need shipping addresses we need to account for like international mail time like trying to figure all of that out how games uh, will be delivered at what time like the embargo notes for for that were were pretty wild and we're really happy there was another team who kind of like before us we're happy kind of like surfing on the cool vibes of the project did not have like a clear marketing plan or pr plan so we kind of came in and just like here's what we want to do here's how it's going to work they basically just gave us the keys and be like yes all right make it happen um and yeah extremely proud of the of that project that's awesome the last question i have for you nick is just it can be as big picture as you want, or it can just be specific things you're excited for. But what can you say about the future of Pop Agenda? Where do you see the company going? What are you excited to work on in yeah, the coming months um, or years? So I'll invite you to our December 7th meeting internally, since we're <laughs> going to be talking about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, for real, it's it's something we, we're now, again, we're in February, we'll be five years uh old and it's kind of like yeah a moment as we hire more people it's kind of like a moment to kind of assess where we're at where we want to be um and it's a big question because like i don't quite know yet uh to be honest like even i think we individually as co-founders we need to ask ourselves what we individually want to do because we have that freedom because it's our company <laughs> So uh, again, like I've been, for example, been getting into trailer editing uh, this year, especially. And uh, again, shout out to George because George came in with some of that background, and he basically gave me confidence that if I would fail, he'd be there to kind of pick me up or kind of like I'd have a buddy basically to make that work. So uh, uh, all of that to say that like since I've started doing video editing, I'm like, what if I did more of that? What if we provided that as an actual service uh, a bit more because right now we're just like doing it for some of the projects when it makes sense and like what if we did that a little bit more and officially is something we're thinking about um but what, yeah as a, uh, oh, go ahead i was just gonna ask what what some of the trailers um for the games have you done so far 
Yeah, so uh, some of them are our, our website for people curious. But yeah, so the, we did all the Toem trailers, like I mentioned. We did a few Nobody Saves the World trailers uh, during that campaign. We did a Fez trailer for the Switch release. Um, so again, we're it's our first year, so we're not putting out a, a ton. And I'm a consultant often on like trailer making when the teams are making trailers, if I'm not editing them myself. But uh, yeah, it's something we want to do. Anyway, uh, all of that to say, like I, again, I've mentioned like how we want to stay small and we don't really want to grow that much. So that's kind of like the challenge. Like, what? How do we do? We want to grow. Like, how much we want to grow is kind of a question. Like, uh, we don't know quite yet. Um, we're like I mentioned, like future friends doing co-publishing stuff. Like, it's obviously something we're looking at because like uh it would be super interesting for us to it's a different kind of like uh it's a different business proposition obviously but the often it it's it would be a way for us to be even more invested in the projects we work on because that's the kind of stuff we want to be it's the 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 place we want to be we want to be like super invested in the success of the game and if it means like putting money and just like when you put in money, you are <laughs> very invested in a project's success. Uh, that might be the the way to go. I know, like our co ICO partners, for example, like they're investing uh, in in some stuff. Like we don't have a an investor, right? We started this company mm -hmm. with our own money, being service based, contract based. We're basically three free. We were three freelancers just like working together. So we don't have like a ton of money to throw around at people. But I don't know. It might happen in the future. So. Uh, yeah, we don't have a clear picture of what the future is at, at Pop Agenda. We want to keep working with cool people. We want to work on, like, we want to spend, basically, we want less contracts, but bigger contracts. So we want to be working more for a lesser number of people. Mm -hmm. uh, again, as a sense of, like, we're doing more publishing level stuff with people. So. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at. I don't have a. It's weird to be an entrepreneur to 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 ask these questions uh, to yourself like every day. What what is it you want to do? And it's kind of up to me to answer that. So, yeah, sometimes there's no. We're just going with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin, anything you want to ask before we wrap up? Um, I don't think I have any more questions, but I did want to say congrats. I see. Since we've been talking, you guys unveiled a new game called Surmount. Yes. And I have just been sitting here watching the trailer on silent. But <laughs> if you want to talk, give that a shout out and talk a little bit about that game. Um, yeah, that's a fun... Uh, again, when I, when I mentioned like uh, devs talking to each other and like uh, bringing us business, basically the illustrator of the Toem's key art was Indiana Jonas, who is now developing this game called Surmount. So, uh, and some of the audio people are also, also the same people. So, um, yeah, basically it's Jasper and uh, Jonas like making this uh, climbing game. Uh, we kind of think of it as like getting over it, but uh, yep. a lot more accessible. It's uh, for people who are listening, it has kind of like an Animal Crossing vibe. The music is very inspired by that, as well as the visuals. Um, it, it, it's just great. It's, it's been great to see it uh, come along as well in development. It's just like super fun to play. And like this weekend at Data Devs, it's the, it will be the first time people have their hands on it. 
so I, I think the guys are really excited to know what people think of it. And it's kind of like a physics kind of game. So mm -hmm. I think we're it's going to be good fun uh, on a show floor. It looks, yeah, I see the Animal Crossing vibe, but I was also thinking, I was like, this is get over it. Just like more cartoonish style. Yeah. yeah. Um, is it also co-op? Yes, it is. In, okay. it, it is totally playable in co-op. And basically, you tie a rope to each other. Uh, so you can catch uh, your your buddy if they fall. Uh, and also means it, it's a bunch of, like again, physics shenanigans where like the <laughs> rope will, will spring people around the screen. And uh, yeah, it should be really good fun when it comes out. <laughs> well, I look forward to it. Um, people should go check it out. I just added it to my wish list on Steam. Thank like you I so said, much. every single time we have a guest <laughs> on, I'm like, my Steam every wish list. list. Oh, it gets longer and longer. <laughs> well, Nick, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything we didn't ask about that you wanted to talk about today? Uh, not so much. I mean, we, we got through a, a bunch of it. It's just like... Um... I, I guess like humility I, i'm gonna go back to humility and it's like it's pretty wild for us to uh, be so respected by our peers in this industry we do feel sometimes like we don't know what we're doing and we again like started this company like i've never worked at, at a professional pr agency we just make it work i guess we we've been making it work and yeah it's it's great to see our work recognized but yeah um it, it, it's it's definitely kind of like a garbage truck on fire sometimes it feels <laughs> like we we're just like we're going and uh yeah i don't have answers to all the questions uh it feels like and but that's okay right uh, yeah. it feels like yeah again we're making it work we're happy the the goal honestly when creating the company was like i was having a kid mc had two children jen wanted kids so we were like we're making a company to work our own hours to have a like have a family life that's like uh, well balanced and mm -hmm. uh, like we didn't care what the pay would be that much like obviously we have to get paid but that was not the first goal the first goal was like let's create a company for ourselves let's make it work for us and so far we've done that and also helped a bunch of devs kind of like make it uh through the finish line which is like yeah pretty good in our books i guess yeah well, i would definitely yeah. say so <laughs> yeah i think you guys are doing a great job and you shouldn't sell yourself short but i do understand the whole like i i feel like none of us know what we're doing and we're just like doing our yeah. best and every single day i'm like yeah i don't know but... so, sometimes sometimes uh, this is a weird thought but sometimes i wish i could like take internships like yeah. take a take six months off and then get an internship with you guys for example and then like sit with you for a month and get a sense of like what you do day to day how you do things it's yeah. like yeah we we have no sense of that like i mean i have a little bit of experience i guess in, in the industry but like i'd like to do that at so many different companies just to learn and get a sense of like whatever because it's such a, a black box for everyone where like this is how we do things here and yeah we don't talk to each other that much as professionals and like mm -hmm. and, and pr is a bit secretive as well because like we're not sharing contacts we're not like whenever someone's i mean we have our a, a good old discord that we uh, that, so we do have that that we can share stuff but still it's very 
like you you don't want to give a spot your game could have to someone else so we're we're not in the habit too much of sharing like uh like our processes or or that kind of stuff but yeah sometimes yeah. i'm like i i'm someone who likes to learn and likes to yeah get a sense of how other people are making it work so sometimes yeah i have that impulse of like oh i wonder i wonder how it uh, it's working at uh, this or that pr uh, agency such a good point and i <laughs> i wish that it, it was like that too i also like love learning and i will like just read random books about the most bizarre topics um but something i like and we haven't done it in a while but sometimes we have clients um that we'll have someone like temporarily go in house and work mm. with them for a while for like a three, four month period, maybe longer, just to kind of get an idea of how does it work in house? How is it different from agency? I know that's not one to one of what you're saying, but I, I wish that was a more common practice because especially if you're working with people, it's just, you're going to do your job better if you understand yeah. who you're working with, like what their job is. Yeah. It's good to change things around as well. Like as someone who worked at a studio before, again, like yeah, we would, at most we would ship a game every year. And, and nowadays I'm like, oh my, how did we do that? Like I'm shipping a game every month now. So I'm like, how did we do it? Like it was a long time waiting a year to ship a game <laughs> as a marketing person. Uh, but other times I'm like, I have no time to spend on the games I'm working on. <laughs> I want to go back on the other side. So <laughs> it's kind of finding the right balance of like mm -hmm. uh, between the two. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Nick, where can the people out there listening find you if they want to follow you? Yeah, I'm mostly on Twitter, I guess, at Nicholas Verge. Um, and yeah, that's mainly where I tweet about Star Wars, I guess. <laughs> Excited to see your takes on the Andor finale. I cannot, absolutely cannot wait. <laughs> I'm. I, can we do predictions? Oh, uh, please. Well, I, believe... I guess not too much spoilers for Caitlin, who no, hasn't no, no. seen it. I'm like, I can take my headset off. <laughs> no, no. I'm just hoping for a certain character called Thrawn to make mm. an appearance yes. towards the end. And I have, like, I guess my fan fiction is already written, but like, there's a character in Endor who has an art gallery and who's more into art than Tron. And I'm like, again, I have this scene all written down. So I'm, <laughs> I'm putting it out there in the universe so that if it happens, it's been recorded and I can point to this podcast. <laughs> well, I love that. I hope that happens as a huge Thrawn fan. Uh, I guess we'll stay in touch and we'll find out what happens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you can find Nick at Nicholas Verge on Twitter. You can follow Pop Agenda at Pop Agenda Co. or go to their website, popagenda.co. And again, their Twitter or website is where you can find their hiring information. Uh, Caitlin, where can people find you? You can find me at Caitlin Redwing on Twitter. I'm still there, even though Elon Musk is the worst. <laughs> and I confidently say that. Um, yeah. And I talk about games and lots of movies and hopefully more TV shows if I finally <laughs> just watch all the shows that I'm behind on. And you can find me everywhere at Sam Scott Mosier. I second Caitlin's thoughts on the bird platform. Um, and you can find the show there as well at Real Time Strats. Email us questions at podcast at triplepointpr.com. Nick, thank you so much again for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was a nice chat. I loved it. For sure. And uh, to all you listening, thank you so much. Thanks.